The Fire Store, equipping protectors with passion. Every decision the Fire Store makes as a company is about its customers. As the holiday season has quickly approached, explore a wide selection of unique and practical gifts at the Fire Store's gift center. Find the perfect presence for firefighters, EMTs, and first responders today. The Fire Store's goal is to get you the gear you need when you need it at prices you can afford. Visit thefirestore.com for everything but the truck and shop its family of brands including Streamlight, MSA, Lion, Fleer, and more. All right, all right. Welcome to Fire Engineering Podcast, the training officer. I am your host, Dave McGlynn. Uh, quick background of the show. If you're a first time listener, uh, like I like I say, you know, every time I get a new guest, I oftentimes get new listeners. So I appreciate that. And I'm sure my guests will appreciate it because you're following them and that's your loyalty to them. Uh, so the show is called The Training Officer. Uh, Fire Engineering gave me the podcast back in 2018. Uh, we called it networking for success, and then we changed it to the training officer because mostly that's a lot of the things that I covered uh, and a lot of things that I talk about. Uh, as I've been with the fire engineering family, I have uh, taught at FDIC, and a lot of what I teach is fire is training officer development, training program development, stuff like that, how to network. And I guess the premises of the show is that, is to uh, talk to other people that have a training background or that are passionate about training, understand the importance of it, and uh, to hear their story and you know, share it with you. Your, I guess, piece in this is uh, you get to be a student, right? Because uh, we're training officers. So we're get to, we get to talk to you. We get to tell you a little bit of tips and tricks, as uh, my brother Champ likes to say, and uh, give some nuggets. And just like I said, share a story. So this way people understand it. You're not alone in your problems. A lot of us go through a lot of stupid things uh, through our careers. Um, and then if you get into training, you know, uh, it's it's... It's an unforgiving realm. Uh, there's, you know, there's, you don't get much uh, sexiness out of being the training officer. Trust me when I tell you, which I think is my end all goal is to try to reinvent the image of the training officer because that position is so important. Uh, so tonight I'm joined by a training officer. Uh, I'm joined with, with a guy by a guy that has a great training background. Uh, Brian Brush. He is a training chief at uh, for the mid Midwest city, Oklahoma fire department. He's got more than 25 years of experience his background spans from several different states doing rural and uh, city-type metro-sized fire departments. He holds a master's degree in fire and emergency services administration. He has his EFO, which is, wow, I mean, dude, like, that's not easy. Uh, and he also has his uh, CTO, Chief Training Officer designation. So, Brian, thank you for joining me tonight, brother. Man, well, thank you for uh, for hosting it and for having, you know, the training officer platform. It's it's cool. Uh, I mean, I, I think we've seen a, a resurgence in training and training being refined all around us, which, you know, is kind of what you're talking about. And that that's exciting. And it's taken years for it to, to develop. And um, I mean, as recently as this evening, driving home from work, uh, before, being late to your show, I was talking with Kurt Isaacson about, uh, you know, his plans for uh, a training officer boot camp, kind of similar to the battalion chief boot camp. So I'm excited that there's more resources out there for training officers because, um, like you said, man, it's it's a lonely world and it's but it's something that every department has to have. Um, so uh, we we have to help each other and 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 find shortcuts so we can get to training uh, with the guys because that's what they want and not just 
having to reinvent wheels every single time. So oh, thank yeah. you for the platform. Thank you for being the resource and, and keep, you know, we'll keep at it tonight with, with trying to, to make it something that people want to be a part of. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Brother. Thank you. I, I, I think it's interesting. I like the uh, training officer uh, Academy thing. I think that that's going to be great stuff. Cause um, as you know, and we'll talk about it tonight, it's just um, nobody prepared for, for this thing you know, taking on training, you know, just cause you took fire instructor one or ed, educational methodology or whatever, doesn't make you prepared to do this. So uh, that, that's, that's nice. I like that. You know, I, I think that's going to be awesome. All right. So, uh, I mean, I know who you are, you know, a lot of people, you have, you have a great following. You've been doing this a while and, uh, and you, and you touch uh, a lot of different people throughout the, the country um, with, with your message and, and with the things that you bring to the table, but just, to stay consistent with the way I have the show going. Tell me a little bit about yourself, who you are, uh, what's your background and uh, what inspired you to get into the fire service? Uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm Brian Brush. I'm uh, 43 years old. I got a wife, uh, Sarah Brush, who uh, we've been married for 20 years now. Uh, three kids, uh, a junior in high school, my oldest son, uh, my daughter's a freshman in high school, and my uh, youngest son is a seventh grader. So. My wife's a school nurse. She's been been a nurse uh, pretty much the whole time we've been married. Um, so she was a, a NICU nurse and is now a school nurse in in our our child child school. So that's pretty cool. She's she's in the field of service as well. Um, I got a a start in the fire service of just being a, a small town kid. You know, I I grew up in a town of about uh, fifteen hundred people or so, and it, while it was a small town, the fire department was a big influence in that town. Uh, pancake breakfast, something a lot of people volunteered and were a part of. Um, and uh, at fifteen, fourteen, or fifteen years old, we moved into town, and and my neighbor was the assistant chief, and he uh, kind of recruited me to join the high school volunteer program, which was epic because you would get a pager and you'd get out of school. And you get to fly down to the firehouse and uh, they had a paid driver and a paid officer and you jump on and be tailboard. And man, I was hooked. And it was, uh, it was, it was just awesome. You know, just one to be brought into something like that at such a young age, you know, was, was amazing. And then to be surrounded by uh, guys who just really cared about it and supported it um, was awesome. Out of Forestville Fire Department, there was a lot of guys uh, volunteer who went career in other organizations or went to work for uh, Cal Fire, um, which was CDF at the time. So there was a lot of path, you know, almost like a, a farm league for a lot of departments um, out of that that firehouse. And um, it, it just kind of became, you know, the path I wanted to pursue because I looked up to so many of those guys that were doing it. And uh, out of high school, I went to Oklahoma State University purely because of the fire program. I started working at the state training center there because it was run out of the school. So that was a student employee thing. So, I mean, I, I had my instructor one at, at 18 years old, um, which, you know, may not have been right, but uh, I, I was a part of training ever since I've been in the fire service. And I, I think we all have been, you know, we all see how valuable it is, valuable it is to be trained early on in our career. But um uh, you know, it, it, it took some time to come back to, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I've been around, done some time in California, uh, worked in the California fire service as a seasonal firefighter while I was going to college. Um, ultimately left Oklahoma state early to get a job at a West Metro fire outside of Denver. So worked there for 13 years, um, in a variety of different positions. And, uh, 
and then returned to Oklahoma in, in 2015 to be a little bit closer to family for my wife and, and kind of have a change of pace. But uh, it was about that time when I came back to Oklahoma and I, I went back through a fire academy at 35 years old and um, spent 23 weeks in a, in a fire academy after a career of uh, you know almost 20 years already. And uh, it, it was fun, man. It was, it was nice to be reset and, and get back to those basics. But also I was kind of surprised that some of the content was, you know, had not changed. And uh, so much of the fire service around me had changed. And I, I was puzzled by the, the kind of delay in, in, in adjustments in that initial training. And uh, um, I had already been working on the national level as far as an instructor and seeing trends through UL studies and that type of stuff. And I, it, it made me, want to do a better job for our future. Um, and I remember being in those classes and having these young firefighters, these 20 year olds coming to me, asking me questions. And I felt bad that their academy experience wasn't answering those questions for them. So um, fast forward ab about a year later, uh, had just come off for prob probation at Edmond Fire Department and, and got, a, got promoted into the training uh, division there as a training officer. Um, I spent three years as a training officer at Edmond and it was a a great experience. It was really did reconnect me back to the fire service. It did uh, take those things that I was having so much fun with teaching around the country and, and putting it into the organization that I was in. Um, and I got a lot of experience and, you know, lo and behold, the training chief position opened up at Midwest city. So I kind of got to take that operational experience um, of my career as a, as a firefighter at a, at West Metro and, and combine it with my um, three years as a training officer at Edmond and, and uh, was trusted to take over the training division at, at Midwest city. And, and it's, it's been, a, it's been an absolute blast. It's been a, a total blessing to, to, to try to take all those things and, and put them together and, and, and uh, develop a program uh, like we have going right now. Yeah. I, I, so I'll tell you first, a lot of, Awesome stuff. So, uh, you know, I knew you came out from from California originally, and and then uh, I knew you were out in um, Colorado for a little bit. So, I I didn't know, um, you know, the whole background of of how you got. But I love it. No, you smile, but I love it. So, so one, I, I just I uh, I wish I was writing this. So, so this is going to be my memory, right? And I'm like all hopped up on like <laughs> like quill and everything right now because it's just the seasonal changes. So, so bear with me. Let me just try to play catch up. So, one, starting off from the beginning. Uh, so I joined the fire department uh right before I graduated high school. I, I I'd fill out my application. Um, mm -hmm. and the same thing. You know, we were allowed to be released from school. Um, so awesome that uh that that's how you got into it like I, I literally love that right um and then uh and then two is uh the guy that was uh one of the chiefs at the time when i was a kid he lived up the street from me so yeah i remember being a kid he used to uh we used to have block parties and like he used to let us put on his three-quarter lengths uh you know and he had an old school new yorker you know so uh yeah so so you know that was something that was cool so you saying that i was just like wow like this is the first person i've interviewed or even talk to, you know, cause we go all over that kind of has a similar background to, to, to me. Like everybody's always either like a legacy fireman or whatever, you know? So it's really cool. I love that. Um, <clears throat> so I'll say this. So that's really cool. The whole, I didn't know you, uh, that you went to OSU. So that's actually really cool too. So awesome, uh, on that end. 
Um, no, but I went what, there twice. I, I, I joke. I went there twice, actually, just to kind of clarify. I dropped out in my junior year, uh, the bachelor's program, because it, I mean, I, well, I got offered the job at West Metro. So that was, that was cool, but it was also an, an engineering program. So I'd taken all the like fire classes that I could, but I could not pass beyond algebra. So I was kind of doomed yeah. for the fire engineering thing. So I was out, you know, I, I got my bachelor's degree at Colorado state and then, but I was able to return and get my master's at Oklahoma master's, state. So yeah. I can still claim alum, you know, right, right. Basically a, a recovering dropout, but. <laughs> it gives everyone hope though. That's so awesome. Yeah, exactly. Don't quit. <laughs> right. Right. Don't quit. Yeah. No, but, um, but the thing I, 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 uh, I, I liked, uh, if, I don't know if you, you saw when, when you said that you took experiences that you had operational experiences, right. Mm-hmm. And you coupled that with you, with your training officer experience to be in the position you were at now. And I just started going like, that's like w- one of the things that I talked the most about, like, so not, I was never like the salty fireman. I, I never was. Uh, but I love being a firefighter. Uh, I love the tactical aspect of it. I love doing searches. Um, you know, whether we were training on it or it was real life going down a hallway, whatever. Like I just always loved search. Like I just, you know, like, I don't know why, like I, I got put through the Academy uh, when I was 18 and I had uh, the city fireman from Irvington, New Jersey, uh, Craig Spurko. Uh, I was afraid I had older brothers and I was definitely afraid of, of the dark. And uh, I was messing up on these. Uh, yeah, I was messing up. They were doing the, the confidence co- course where they turn your hood over your mask, you know? And we didn't even light the building on fire yet. We didn't have smoke, nothing like that. And, um, and I was just like, I was scared and I was like panicking. And, um, and he was like, yeah, I was screwing up and only one in the class. So he stayed after and like made me search through the whole building. Um, and, uh, he just, you know, he's just hear my voice. I'm like, yeah, he's like, stay calm, blah, blah, blah. We're talking through it. We're talking through it. I made it through the whole thing. Uh, made it through, you know, and then I just got confident with it. And then I got so just confident in it that I, somebody saw something in me that, uh, you know, they took the time to, to try to teach me through it, coach me through it that now it's like my favorite thing in the world to teach my favorite skill to perform, et cetera. So where I'm going with that is, um, it is very important for somebody to get into the training officer realm to have had experiences. You don't have to be the subject matter expert. You know, I'm not like, uh, you don't want me teaching you CPR. Trust me, you don't want me performing CPR and you let alone teach it. But, but, but where I'm going is, is, you know, we have to have a background to understand the need of our people. Um, and without an operational skill set, a tactical skill set, a background in those type of things, um, you can YouTube the shit out of your training program, it doesn't mean that it's going to be relevant or practical. Um, and there's good stuff in there, but uh, people are going to see through that. You know, that you're not, all you are is just a conduit for, you're like Wi-Fi. You know, you're just a conduit for the information and you need to be a facilitator and you need to be an educator. And I love uh, that you, you said that, that you took your operational experience and coupled that into there because that's a thing that we fail in. You know, I will not teach things that I knew I wasn't good at Nonetheless, I know that's that I uh, I don't want to toot my horn and say that's what separates me from bad training officers in that I understand that there's things I shouldn't teach. And that's why I'll, I'll surround myself with a cadre of instructors who can be those SMEs and deliver that content properly so that my people are developed properly. And I think that that's what people fail at is they don't understand the 
the the the, the background that you have to have. It's almost like a, it should be a prerequisite to getting into a training officer position. So I love that you said that. I just wanted to touch on that. You know. Well, I agree. You know, your 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 terminology of coupling the two is important because again, you, you can be extremely successful operationally and, and and not be a good trainer. Um, it's just the same as like you know, football players, baseball players, they, they can be exceptional athletes, you know, but really just be successful because they're really good athletes. So, um, the train, like you, you can do, you can throw a ladder really well, you know, and, and just do it like this does not develop anyone else. You, you have to have right. the understanding of being able to break that down into steps um, being able to, as you know, uh, my buddy Court Smith at, at Oklahoma City talks about the the chain. You got to link things together because of anything is is a chain of action. So, um, I, you know, it is, it's powerful, man. I mean, I uh, like you said, adult education, um, skills, uh, someone coaching it through you. That like you're talking about redefining the training officer, and that that really is a is a big part of it. You know, having having a, a an and experience as a background, but there's a lot of stuff. I mean, being the training officer for an organization, you are going to be tasked with teaching things that you don't have skills or experience in. And there's, there's no avoiding yeah. it. I mean, when COVID hit, I was like, what the, you know, I, I don't know how to talk about communicable diseases and hazmats and vectors and like, right. but you, you got to figure it out, man. And, and then you have to, you have to learn it yourself so that you can break down. Okay. Here's what worked for me in understanding this concept you got i mean and then you have to now articulate it back so it's a much deeper dive you know i think you know be it be it any field um there's a lot of a lot of top-notch athletes that are that are terrible coaches there's a lot of really right. good coaches that that never played at a, at a competitive level but they know how to break down the 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 atmosphere so uh i, I, I applaud you for recognizing that and, and continuing to communicate it so no, thank you. I, I, I appreciate you, you, you echoing that more because it is, it's an important thing. You know, it's a, like I, you know, I say to people like uh, so, some of the best firefighters I've ever worked with are horrible instructors because they're actually like a, their, their expectation. They don't understand the nature of what we do is to develop. Um, so the expectation in a salty fireman's mind is like, this guy sucks. And it's like, oh yeah, he does now you know, but we can get him there. Some, some, and you know, mm. some, maybe you can't, uh, but, but that's a different show, but, <laughs> but some, you can get them there. And that's, you know, that's where that, 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 that whole, you know, empathetic piece. Like I remember what this was like for me learning. So how can I try to adjust that to this mm. person and, you know, all that. And I, I just, uh, I think that people, I, I don't, I know, uh, the reason why I got so passionate about doing this is because I was a product of bad instruction. Like I said, uh, bro, that happened 20, almost 23 years ago. Uh, this guy, Craig Spurko. Okay. Um, and I remember his name. I mean, I haven't seen that dude probably since then, you know, he's probably retired. I don't know what he's doing. Uh, but I remember his name because, that was the difference. That was the separation. And he was a salty guy. He's a city fireman in Irvington, you know, not that you know where Irvington's at, but Irvington's a bad city. I mean, they, they fight a lot of fire. And, um, you know, he took the time to work with me while some other instructors, they didn't want to maybe put that, that effort into it. Cause it was like, well, you know, maybe this is just an undesirable, so we'll get through it. 
you know, and, and lo and behold, like, I feel like my career has been pretty great since because this one person understood how to couple that, that experience and the education piece and put them together, you know, and, 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 and it's just important. I don't mean to beat a dead horse on it. It's just, that's why when you said it, it just sparked me because it's something I talk about regularly is understanding the difference between the two and how to marry the two. Uh, Cause we don't, you know, we, we, we base like, it's like the chief of the organization. The guy's the best fireman in the world, but he's a shit chief. Trust me. You know, like everybody's like, Oh, like, I should be the chief. Why? Cause he's a great fireman. Like watch him run your organization into the ground, bro. Like he's no administrative skills. He's no planning skills. He's a fireman. You know, let him go and be a fireman. That's why he's so great at that, you know? And like, and, and like, that's what I try to say to people is the same with training. Like, you don't have to be the greatest fireman in the world, but you have to be, you have to have a background in what we do and understand how, what works for people, why it's important to train on it. But you also have to be patient. And I think that um, people that have had to struggle through training understand why it's important to be patient. Does that make sense? No, it does. And I, I mean, if, when you describe when you were talking about that experience um, with what was his name? Craig Spurko. Okay, so when you're talking about your your experience with Craig, one specific word jumped out to me when you were talking about it. And you said he coached you through it, and I mean I, that is that is the key term of those things coming together and and a coach is investing in you. You know, so like I mean yeah. that's. That is a big break of instructors. A lot of times it's, it's almost a dictatorship. They're just delivering information, you know, but, a, but a coach is one who assists you in, in the application of it. So, um, that, that, that legendary co- quote is the difference between an amateur and a professional is professionals have coaches. They have someone who is evaluating them and challenging them and developing them and working with them. Whereas an amateur is just there, you're, you're only in that, that feedback loop of yourself. Um, so be it, you know, using a mirror, be it using game tape, be it using another person, but that someone is invested in, in your development. And I mean, that's, that was a big breakover for me. I mean, I think that that's a big breakover in, in all this training that we're, we're, we're seeing now, this, this, uh, interest in training is it's, it's there, you're not just going to things and, and taking in information. You're going to things and you are working with literal position coaches. you you are, you have a person who is working with you on your engine company operations. And that that's a position coach. You have a uh, person who's working with you on your search techniques, on your forcible entry, whatever it, you're throwing ladders. I mean, it, it is the equivalent of, um, you know, your, your Sandlot baseball team versus, versus the pros, you know, and you're, right. you're, you're now in a division one school and you're going to work with the infield coach today. And then you're going to work with the batting coach. And then you're going to be doing base running. Like we, we are, um, it, it's interesting because I think a lot of our career specialization was focused around, well, are you hazmat? Are you technical rescue? It's like, no, man, you, there is specialization within our, our, our fundamental, uh, skills and techniques. And, that's exciting, man. It's fun to get better at what you do. And it's even more fun to know more about what you're doing. And, and that's, that's what that dude tapped into. It wasn't just a, Hey, yeah, yeah. you know, this, this search, go figure it out. You're going to remain an amateur. If, if you're, the message is go figure it out, but you are going to become a professional. If somebody's like, Hey, did you, did you consider this? I liked how you did that. You're, you're institutionalizing the positive and you're shedding the, the, the negative. And it's and that, that what you saw, uh, your positive experience that redefined training for you 
and that's what you've applied. And, and that's an important thing. You, you view being a training officer as a coach because that was the most impactful experience you had. Right. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. Cause I, it kind of clarified it in my own mind too. Like you're hundred percent right. Like I said, it's almost 23 years. I still remember the guy's name. Yeah. I remember his face. I haven't seen him since, since I graduated the fire Academy. So I mean, it was. And there's a good chance that you sat through a class just two weeks ago and you can't even remember that guy's name. Right. right. <laughs> I mean, that's the God's honest truth, you know, because if the, because this guy was so impactful. You're hundred percent right. Yeah. You're, that's sad. You're, you're hundred percent. Sometimes you remember their names. So, you know, to steer clear of them. So you're like, hey, I'm never going to <laughs> that guy's class again. <laughs> um, so we covered some of that, but I just, I, I, in, in the event that you had, uh, you know, a couple other tidbits on it. So tonight's episode, obviously we're covering, you know, the training officer, right? The roles and responsibilities of it. So, so what is a training officer and then what are some of the things that a training officer is responsible for? Well, you know, I, I like this question because I think, um, it's just like, I think training is too broad of a term. Like you got to break it down a little bit. Training is education training training is skill development training is, is a lot of things and we we make it a junk drawer in the fire service it's everything from research and development to operations to um you know all Health that stuff. safety so, um so what i would say and, and what i think needs to be made clear is um you know when we're defining a training officer i think you need to separate it out and man i'm, I'm the only person in our training division of a with a department of almost 80 uh, uniform members and about 8,000 calls a year. And so it's, it's overwhelming. But even for me, I have to separate, you know, what is a training chief and what is a training officer? And um, because they are two different roles that the training chief is responsible for the organizational stuff. The training officer is responsible for the influential stuff. So you really have to know those two different roles. Um, because every department that has a training officer, if it's just one guy, you still have both those responsibilities. You have organizational planning, you have record keeping. I've, I've been through audits of both ISO and EMS audits, you know, so once again, if, if you're a, a one man show and you're training, you, you have to work on your administrative skills. There's no getting around it. So, um, being a good training chief or a training administrator is important to your organization because you have to make sure what you're doing lines up with standards. It's being kept track of the, the organizational responsibility of a training officer administratively is, is huge because God forbid something should happen. The training records are the first things to be audited. So, um, so I guess that defining the training officer, there's whether it's the training chief and a training officer, there's administrative skills. And then there's also those, operational and influential skills. So training chief, you know, I, I think I wrote down here, you got to, you got to be on your organizational stuff, your, your record keeping, your lesson plans, um, explaining a lot of things to this. We have to do this. We want to do this. We need to do that, though, that type of stuff. But then the training officer is, is the guy who rolls it out. It's where the, where the rubber meets the road. And um, the training officer is the influential person. You know, they're, they're the change agent. They're, they're the position coach. They're the ones who are, are really the operational leg of training. So um, just like your department, you got administrative and, and operational folks um, in training. It is just the same thing. So um, I, I think that's an important thing for people to do because 
if you are looking to get into training because you want to be forcing doors and all that type of stuff every day, um, you're going to have a rude awakening when you, when you need to spend a lot of time at the desk. Right. Um, and, and those guys in the field, they got to understand, man, I, I, believe me, I, there's nothing more I want to do than to be in my drill tower every single day doing work, but I, I can't, you know, it, it's, uh, out of five days a week, I have to commit, you know, at least three of those to administrative tasks because it's, it's just a heavier weight. So I'm only available so much for being the training officer. And, and hopefully we get to a point where, where it doesn't have to be split personalities. It can be actually, you know, different people with different roles, but right. um, anybody coming into training has to know that, that there's those two sides. If you're going into training to retire um, because you want to add a few years to your career, you want to shit like, that doesn't fly. Your administrative skills are only going to get you so far. But if you're not able to perform and break down skills and tasks and and get guys to see the value of it and demonstrate it, then you're, you're failing them, too. So um, it, it's a tough spot. It's a high accountability position. It's a position where you have to um, manage all shifts. You can't just do it one way for one crew. You have to grind. There's times where you got to deliver the same program, you know, nine, twelve who knows how many times. Um, but, but it, so, I mean, it's, it's tough, man. It's a, it's a gut check, but, um, you know, if, if you have the passion, that's where the fuel tank comes from and you just, just keep going. Mm. Um, uh, you're, <laughs> no, you, dude, all this stuff is coming to my brain right now. So one, we should have done this a long time ago. You and I, <laughs> uh, I mean, bro, and we're gonna we're we're co-authoring an article together. Um, I don't know if it'll make the magazine because I feel like we're both gonna be very opinionated in it. But, the two-headed training but, uh, guy, the our... two-headed training guy. Right, right, dude. Um, I, I I'm not gonna hold you. That's why I'm like floored right now because you know we're doing this at night. Um, oh, bro, I can't wait till April because you and I are gonna have uh, another talk about this because, uh, bro, so. I'm sorry. So one, you know, I don't mean to, to, to cliche the hundred percent, but I'm going to say thousand percent agree with you. Okay. Um, some departments have different makeups. Uh, so for the listener, I want you to understand that what, what Brian's saying, you know, uh, I, I connect with that because I have a career department. I've worked in different, uh, size departments, so I understand the the difference in um, the training chief and then training officer uh, tiered uh, process. Some people don't have that uh, luxury, which is fine. Nonetheless, understand the importance and the value of the information that Brian was just sharing. And that is, uh, if one, training is not a stowaway. So all due respect to those that couldn't hack it on the rig anymore. And I talk about this in my class. Like, like if you couldn't hack it on the rig, like, I'm sorry, but you shouldn't be training firefighters. Like, I'm sorry, but you just shouldn't, okay? Training's not a stowaway. We need to get away from that. We got 30, 40, 50, 60, maybe even 80 years of a tradition of taking dudes that couldn't do it anymore and sticking training to be a light duty position. It's not a stowaway, okay? Um, you have to have administrative skills. You have to have facilitation skills. You have to have budgetary skills, okay? You got to be a friggin' accountant. You have to be able to be willing to network with people. This is the fire service. We have egos. We're alpha people. I don't want to talk to someone else and let them know that I don't know something, but now I need to, right? 
then you got to deal with different personalities. So whether you're a volunteer or career, but, but it, it happens in the career side. Cause when you said the shifts, Oh Lord, it's like administratively managing a training schedule on different types of, of firefighter shifts is an administrative nightmare. Okay. Uh, finding a way to have the consistency and the cohesiveness required in how the training is executed for the mission need is like, I mean, like, you know, most, most training officers we're losing our hair because of the, the stress that goes behind. Right. Um, and then adding your fundamental background to not just maintain, but, but find a way to, to, to be progressive. So like, I believe in repetition training because in the fire service, like I say to people, you know, our brain is a, is a, a filing cabinet and there's only so much that you can get in there before something falls out. You can't fit it in no more. Right. So, so a lot of skills that we are uh, expected to perform, they become perishable, which then that's why petition training is very important. So then you, as the training officer, you figure out what your, what your you know frequencies are for your repetition training. But either way, each repeated training event, there should be growth. It should never be, you know, the same as, as like, okay, well, you know, we hit the benchmarks, we hit the objectives. This is what we did last year. This is what we did three months ago. We did the same thing this time. There should be progressiveness. There should be growth, which again is why you as the training officer, not only do you have to be administrative, understand budgets, understand how to write policies, understand how to facilitate, understand how to network, be resourceful and be up to date. But in order to be up to date, you also got to continue to go to training yourself because you have to be the the SME you're the you're the you're the god in your department they think well whatever we're training on you're telling us to train on it so that means you know already that this is something we're supposed to be doing um and i don't mean to say it like to scare people cuz cuz i love it man I, I say it with with true desire and true passion i love that you were saying it because it's like people don't realize like if you care about developing others and you care about our thing, the fire service, and you have this opportunity to, to, to inspire people, to develop firefighters, to, 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 to build our fire service, um, then you know that it, it is highly offensive that our thing is perceived as a stowaway or as a segue to, to getting another you know, chief's position or whatever. The fact that you said the, the training chief thing, right? That in itself is important. While maybe your department's makeup is the training chief doesn't run calls like mine, you know, uh, in, you know, when I was up at West Point and 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 when I uh, now in Letterkenny before promoting into ops and then uh, being the interim chief, I ran the shift, uh, you know, one or two nights a week. You know, I was I was I was an assistant chief. I I was I was doing operation stuff. But some departments they don't have that. The chief is in charge of the department. That's why the training officer has a training chief position because that person is in charge of the training division or training branch, whatever it is. It's important. That title is actually important for that person to have. It's not, it shouldn't be a joke that, oh, well, so-and-so couldn't be on the engine anymore. Now, he, now he's a chief. Like, yeah, he's a chief because he's responsible for something that's really important, some chief level stuff that you probably couldn't do. You know, like that's why you're the Walmart reader and they're the general manager, you know? So I just, I, I'm sorry, brother. I, I love that you said it. That's why I was like floored for a second. I'm like, bro, we should have did this a long time ago. Yeah. Everything you're saying is the stuff that I talk about. It's like, whew, thank you. Thank you for, 
for just I, I I'm not alone in my problems and I'm and I don't mean to say problems. I just I'm not alone in my message. Like I love that that you're saying this stuff. It's beautiful. Thank you. Well, I mean, I, like you said, you don't it, to the guys who shouldn't be there explaining to them how much goes into it um, is intimidating. They're like, oh, shit, I don't want to do that. Perfect. Like, <laughs> when training's not for you. But if you're the type of person who is into everything because you're so passionate and ate up with the fire service, the best way to get into everything is to be in training because you will be involved in everything. So right, whether you like honestly, it or not, you're going to be. I believe that like when it comes to fire department operations, leading and training are synonymous. Training is what leads new uh, strategies, new tactics, new education. Like you, you will not move forward if you're not training. So it, it I mean, again, I'm, I'm not a leader but I am a trainer and training takes organizations forward. I, I, so I, I'm finishing writing the book and, and I have that in, in my class, training officers are leaders too. That's literally the name of the thing. So I love mm-hmm. it. You just said that like, <laughs> we should have did this a while ago. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, all right. So, <laughs> um, so uh, tell us a little bit about your experiences as an instructor and as a training officer. You know, what are some of the challenges that you faced uh, or that face fire service training? I um, mean, and then, and then uh, the follow up to that is, is how did you. How did you get over those challenges and then how would you suggest for those of us that may face them one day? What's a way that we can overcome those challenges? Well, it was um, I'd say the biggest one like probably the one of the biggest barriers uh, that I've come to realize that is something I took for granted for a long time was, was facilities, you know, training and context is extremely important. So like, again, let's separate it. We we can teach a lot of classes. We can do a lot of videos and and there is a, a lot of value in, in just education, but like skill development, we, we have a physical job. If we are not participating in physical training on a regular basis, then, then again, we're failing the organization. And like, we can blame the guys for not doing it, but, it is our job to facilitate it, lead it, uh, promote it, uh, endorse it. And man, it having come from a, a big organization with a great training facility or just a proactive department that, that allowed you to take advantage of uh, acquired structures or just structures in the district, um, going to a place that didn't have a facility, that, that's, in it, that's a big challenge because again, training and context is really important. You can stretch hose and say, well, picture this, but everybody now has their own picture in their head. Um, and that's, that's really tough. So moving to Midwest city, um, when I got hired there, they had the money for a training facility, but it wasn't in existence. So, uh, facilities and training and context is a, is a big challenge. So, I mean, how did I overcome it? We did a lot of pallets and plywood and, but just little things help get the message a little bit deeper entrenched and a little bit better understood and, and creating obstacles, making things more real, just in any way, shape or form that you can go on that extra mile to set up um, is worth it. There was many, many times I would put five, 10, 20 hours into prepping uh, a place to do a drill and that might only be a, a one hour training per company. 
and Easily. the guys are like, man, you, 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 you did that for one hour. It's like, yes, but I've got six hours today. I've got six hours tomorrow. I've got six hours. Like, so the, the, to me, I still am coming out ahead, but as long as that hour became higher quality and, and left an impression, then, then yeah, it, one hour of one company getting it is worth the 20 hours of my time. That's my job. So, Amen. um, facilities is a really tough barrier again, especially when it comes to physical training, we have to prioritize physical training. We have to get guys out there, guys and gals to do it. Even our command officers go through the exercises of looking at things, talking on the radio, the, the mechanics of it is, is really important. Um, and with that, man, the other barrier is weather. I mean, it, it, it pains me that, that heat limits what we can do or, ice limits what we can do and all these types of things because once again you you know the modern training calendar is that there is no there is no off season i almost used the uh, f word but uh, there, there just is no off season you, you have to constantly be on the calendar beating the drum and i know it wears guys out but when you have a um you know a stretch of bad weather or stretches of extremely hot weather and it throws your calendar off there's you can't throw things out when your calendar's thrown off. You have to adjust and, and keep working. Right. So um, facilities is tough, but you can work through it a lot of times in some way, shape or form with a prop or a setup or whatever. But uh, I mean, we, we came out of the hot summer. We're in the fall and man, it is sweet. Today we had a classroom session. I scheduled it for November and it's 82 degrees out. And I am just going nuts because this is a prime day for us to be outside. But it's the same thing as, well, I scheduled a hands-on training and we could be in a classroom today. So it's just, then it, again, back to the, the drama of a, of a training officer. I, I spent a lot of time on the 10-day forecast, uh, you know, and, and anxiety right. pills over, is this going to go or isn't it? So, Right, right. So again, you have to be a weatherman, right? Like these are things yeah. that people don't realize. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's funny you say that. So um, I, I always say you got to uh, you got to have one in the chamber. Right. So mm -hmm. shit happens. We could run a call um, and and the companies they're out fighting a fire or whatever like that, depending on the severity or, or the length of uh, the call. You know, guys could have it could have got their asses kicked. So, you know, maybe we'll we'll scratch the what type of training because, you know, these guys were just doing something right. But nonetheless, like like you said, you could look at the 10 day forecast and we as we all know. That's never accurate, right? So then all of a sudden a storm comes in uh, or something and we have to readjust. So always be prepared to have one in the chamber. Your backup doesn't have to be as sexy as your primary. That's okay. That's why it's a backup. Um, but, you know, don't just do nothing. Uh, any type of thing, you know, whether you guys just took the saw off of the engine and said, you know, hey, uh, new guy, do you know how to change the blade? You know, do you know what type of oil that that, that takes? And I guarantee that there's senior guys that haven't checked that or checked or, 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 or played with it. You know, I call them back of the line people, you know, whenever they see somebody doing it, they go to the back of the line so they don't have to do it. Um, that it refreshes them memory because they probably forgot it too. And you end up having yourself a good training session. Um, the weather things so you're down there in Oklahoma, I'm up in Pennsylvania. We had the same thing, bro. It was cold as hell last week. That's why I got sick. Um, so it was cold as hell last week. And then this week it's been in, in the high, high to mid seventies 
So I had a fast board. I don't want to get in trouble. They wrote an article for fire engineering, so we're not going to get in trouble. But anyway, and it, plus they, they buy a booth every year at, at FDIC. So about not plugging anybody, but just so you know. So I bought the board. When you buy the board from Eric and his team, you know, uh, it comes with training. Uh, so I couldn't get them to come out until literally this past Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sitting here like, ah, shit, man. Like it's, you know, temperature drops pretty, pretty bad right after Halloween. Like I think the guys are going to be a little pissed, but that's all right. You know, they're going to be in gear and, you know, they're going to be moving people around and everything like that. Bro, I was in the mid 70s. So it was a beautiful day because it wasn't, wasn't that much humidity, but like the guys were sweating, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and the training ended up being great. And I got very happy. We did a lot of great stuff. Uh, so sometimes the point is, is sometimes it works in your favor. Not always right. like 80% of the time it works against us. But this one time yesterday, I literally like looked up at the gods and I was like, thank you training officer gods. So, you know, like thank you for giving me the perfect day to have this training, you know, like, cause that never happened. So it worked out for me yesterday, but yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, I call it seasonal training, you know, uh, be smart with how you're going to set your people up for, for, for your training evolutions. If you do the, the, the crawl walk run uh, where you do, you know, month to month where it grows into the next thing, understand that if you live in a, in an area where the climate is in January, it's going to be below 32 and you're going to chance a three feet of snow. Um, probably don't want to have your drill be executed in January. Maybe that'll be the, the lecture, you know? Uh, but these are just things that you need to understand. So I love that you were saying that because these are challenges that, you know, I get because I'm doing it too, but there's people that are watching the show that are listening in or whatever. And they don't, they don't know that, you know, they think that training officers just, it's either the guy that was the really salty guy that, you know, could crawl a hallway better than anybody or force the door better than anybody. Um, or it was the guy that couldn't do any of that. And that's why he's driving the desk now because he's, you know, he sucks. And it's like, nah, man, like if, if you believe in this and you want to develop tra- firefighters and you want to develop a good training program and execute a good training program, there is so much shit that people don't realize, like we're weathermen, you know, I mean, we got to sit there and basically become meteorologists too. You know, you don't realize it. So I love that you're touching on this stuff, man. I, I just love it. <laughs> So, oh, go ahead. If you're going to say so, I'm sorry. No, no, that's good. Um, so kind of in the, in the realm of what we're talking about, um, what would you, someone who's either aspiring to become a training officer or training chief, whatever, um, or has recently become one? Um, I mean, dude, I mean, just, you're, you're going to get crushed if you don't care. Um, or either, either you're going to get crushed if you don't care, or your department's going to suffer because you don't care. And like, I guess if you don't care, then it's your department will suffer and it won't matter to you. Um, but, um, you, do you really, you really have to have the passion for it. And, and uh, I think, man, there's, there's a lot of people, and again, back to redefining training, there's, I think for too long training is kind of like a, a thing at the end of someone's career or it's a, it's a stopover uh, ahead of a promotion. It's, it's kind of a transitory uh, position. Um, but man, I, I think you, you got to get into training when you're still into it um, because people will see it. Uh, people will trust it. Um, I mean, I, I know there's guys who I work with who absolutely hate training and hate me, but they can't argue with the fact that 
when we're out there throwing ladders, I'm doing it. And if a 43 year old man who runs a desk all day can do it, then what is your excuse when you're on that rig 10 days a month? And maybe that's what's uncomfortable. Um, but that's, that's again, where growth comes from is, is, uh, is, is that. So, man, I, I, it, it takes a lot of work. It take it is a absolute grind, you know, training is a grind, but, um, it keeps me accountable to myself. It keeps me disciplined. It keeps me doing it every single day. And I honestly think that that's, that is a lot of what is, uh, what is going to contribute to my longevity is, is, is just sticking with it, you know, getting up in the, every morning and working out here at home because I don't have the time to work out at work. Um, even though it's in my contract, but it's important. I have to stay in shape because Last month we had hired three kids, two of them are 20 years old. One of them is 27 and I got to run their, their academy for a month. And I want their experience to be positive, And I want them to see that a guy with, you know, that's twice their age still loves it, still pushes it and is, and sometimes just crushing them. So that is the, the way I want it to be is, is to be, um, you know, we, we preach to our people to lead by example, then we, we, we better be doing it too. So. Um, if you, if you believe in training, um, you believe in, in training being something different than what you experience, then, then, then you need to be that different. No, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, <clears throat> like you said, you know, I love, uh, I, I love that, you, you know, you, you had said about how you, you try to work out at home, um, because you, you can't, uh, at work, you know, <clears throat> I'm not making excuses. Um, you know, I've, 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 uh, I've been up and down and, and weight. I've, I've recently, I, I lost, uh, uh, well over 60 pounds, uh, about a year ago. Um, and then I've, I've started to even out a little, but I still feel pretty good, <laughs> you know, because there was a time that's, that's, that's the truth, you know? So I was, um, I like to, I like to do stuff with them too. Uh, if at anything, uh, just because like, I don't do that for the cliche thing. One, I don't know, man. I think like, like you and I, like we're close in age. So like, I think our age is a perfect age to get into training because you, you, you know, you, you, you still got it, but you're seasoned in that, um, you know, like, like you, you, you're separate when you need to be right. Um, so there's times where like, I will absolutely play along with stuff, um, because I just want to, and I like to do it and I want to, I want to see if I still got it, um, and everything like that. But, um, we were uh we were doing training and um and and i had facilitated and and um and i had uh i had a throw on uh gear because we we're actually doing we're doing um fire dynamics with under live fire with class a fire and he was an osb and um and what do you call it um dude i was getting my ass kicked and i had weighed like 293 um so i was like man like i gotta lose weight bro like i got young kids and like i'm like 40 and like this is bad like you know what i mean so so um so i just i just cut carbs and and then uh you know got myself uh uh to be in a, a decent comfortable position where now i'm I'm doing stuff with them and i and i enjoy it but but that's like i said like you know it's so hard to add extra things and i'm making an excuse i'm telling you like I, like you said you know you work out at home because when you're at the firehouse like it's, it's tough to do when you're in the office 
we are doing so much. We are planning, attending meetings, uh, you know, training. We're, we're learning ourselves. You know, we're, we're attending training ourselves. We're facilitating. We're setting up, you know, like I could before, you know, you had said about um, you can set up a drill for two hours and then the drill pops off. You know, they're, they're, they're packed up and mopped up and ready to go in less than 45 minutes from, from the time that they arrive to the time that the drill's over. Nobody realizes that two hours to three hours it took to set that drill up in place for them to just come in and, and do what they do. Um, and, uh, and that's just it is like, you know, like, like, like for me, just speaking for myself, like we got a couple of dummies, right? Well, one of them weighs 170 pounds and it's dead weight. You know, another one weighs like a hundred and, and like 40 pounds. And then there's, there's a couple other smaller ones. Like when I'm setting up drills, I'm John Wayne in it. So I'm carrying this bitch on my back, you know, on my shoulder upstairs and I'm trying to make it like, you know, a challenge. So I'm like dragging this thing and like hiding it under something and I'm putting like pallets on top of it or something like that, you know? So it was like something, this guy went through a collapse. It's like, dude, like, so they show up and like, I'm all sweaty and I'm dirty. My white shirt, like I, that's, I, I hate being a train officer and wearing a white shirt. I, I when I, 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 I loved wearing navy blue because it didn't show as many stains, you know. <laughs> but like the guys would show up and they'd do and they're like looking at me like I'm just standing outside. Their perception is I'm just standing outside, and they're like, "Oh, what the hell happened? Would you roll around in dirt?" And I'm like, "Bro, you don't even know what I just went through before you got here." You know what I mean? Like, like I'm getting my ass kicked by myself before you guys even showed up, you know. So now I I I love all that stuff that you're saying because you know it is it's something that. People need to understand, like, I'm not picking on anybody and I'm not trying to scare anybody. It's just a fact, okay? Training isn't meant for everybody. I don't mean training. You, you, everybody should be training. I meant facilitating training, being the training chief, being the person in charge of a training division, or being a training officer. It's not meant for everybody. Um, just because you have certifications or an education to, to I, just, I guess, justify uh, or imply that you should be able to run a training doesn't necessarily mean you should run it. So you need to understand that there is a lot going on in training. They give us many hats. It's a, you know, we're like an octopus, seriously. Um, And the expectation of everybody is is that uh, you're just, you're ready. You have this information, you have the receipts on hand, and you're ready to just, you know, hey, where's that thing? Oh, it's right here. Um, You know, and and, and I'm going to tell you just from my own experience, and then feel free to, 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 to chime in on it, Brian, but just, you know, regardless of whether or not somebody is, is better than you operationally, skill set wise, whatever. If you're a training officer from the youngest, especially the youngest, they're the most impressionable. Um, but to the, even the older guys, they want to be inspired by you. You have to understand that, um, you wanting to train along with them, you wanting to do good content, you wanting to adjust um, and facilitate a program that that meets their needs and their intents and their desires um, and makes them better. They want that. Some of them aren't going to say it. Most of them are never going to tell you that. You know, uh, I, I say like Abraham Lincoln, like, you know, when he was doing the Emancipation Proclamation, the 13th Amendment, uh, he was the most unpopular president in the history of our country. Um, imagine CNN being around then they'd have a field day, but um, you know, that he was, and it didn't matter. He didn't, he stayed the course and he never literally quite literally never got to live to see the fruit of his labor. Um, 
you know, so you, there's a good chance you're going to go through it and you're not going to be able to see the fruit of your, but here's how you will. They're not going to tell you, but when you see them execute at a call and they did awesome or like what's happening to us, you know, I, I transferred down to Letterkenny, which is an army base in, in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania from West Point. West Point's pretty monumental, right? Letterkenny had this kind of perception thing going on and we got a lot of great players on the team, man, and they weren't being marketed enough. And so we did that through training and, um, and we did that through, through, through showing people our skills. And now we're being called on, on different assignments, being special requested, being added to people's boxes, being invited to their training evolutions. You know, that's the fruit of the labor. That's like, man, we're doing it, you know? Um, and they're never going to tell you they're not, and that's okay. Um, but understand that inside they want to be inspired. And, and like I said, man, chime in when you, when you want, I know we got a, a couple of things to cover there, but I just, I know you understand that more than anybody. Um, so I'm just a listener to understand that it's just like, you know, you, you're going to do a lot and it's going to be taxing and it's going to be stressful and you got to be on your game. And there's a lot more than, than you thought. Um, it's normal to kind of grow to get a level of um, pessimism or animosity, but uh, you got to try hard to to keep your game face and inspire people because because they're looking. Trust me, they're looking. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it, again back to like the setting up the drill uh, thing, and like you 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 have to you have to just enjoy that. I mean, like, like I, I just, I enjoy the project where, man, I, I tell people all the time, uh, probably 60% of my job as a training officer with a facility is, is being a ranch hand, you know, like we, you're shuttling bales of a Celsius, you're moving pallets, like, you're, but I mean, I enjoy that. You know, I, I, you have to, you have to truly embrace the service above self uh, that comes with our profession. And if you're not doing it on the rigs, you're doing it wrong. If you're not doing it in training, you're doing it wrong. Like the guys, you, you should never care that a guy, that guys come down to training and they don't say, Hey, thanks for putting in those 30 hours of framing those walls and hanging those doors. Like, I, I really appreciate that. that. That means nothing to you. Nothing. Like if they show up and efficiently run a drill in context in a good environment like in like again they don't they they won't appreciate those things but even to the point of their next fire they may not think oh man this fire went well because the training environment we just had was a lot like this house they may not make those connections it doesn't matter mm. you did it you know like i my kids will never ever ever know what we've done to you know for them in right. a lot of ways and all this stuff, but it doesn't matter. The, the end goal is for them to have a better life than we had, you know, and, and, and have good life lessons and all that type of stuff. Man, it, if, if you never hear from your kids, Hey dad, I really appreciated that. You know, it, it's not going to change. It, it'd be nice, but it's not going to change what I'm doing. I could walk off the face of that earth, the earth today and, and, and never know that. But I mean, that, that's what it's about. So, um, and then again, like we're getting in shape, you, you nailed it too. You're like, Whoa, you know, like I've got a wife, I've got kids, I got this. There, there are certain things like, you know, I, again, we, I, I have in contract that I could work out at work, but my main priority at work is, is operations and training, you know, like being in shape, if it's important enough to me 
to take advantage of it work, it should be important enough for me to, to do it off duty. I, I can't just be a occupational fitness. I have to be fit overall. So what does that mean? I got to get up an hour early to, to do it right at home on a consistent basis because at work, it's not going to be consistent. So um, I'm making that conscious change. It's just a or conscious decision. It's the same thing. It's like, well, I don't have to put the time and effort and energy into these things at work. I'm, you know, it's overwhelming for sure, but a lot of it's self-inflicted, but that's the way I want it to be. That's the way I, I wish there was someone doing that for me when I was a young firefighter. It took some time for our, our uh, department to, to get to that point. But, um, you know, that, that was instilled in me at a very young age, Forestville fire department. Those guys cared about training. They go the extra mile for you. They'd support you. They develop you. So my imprint is that this is the way it should be. Um, and I'm so, so I'm stuck with yeah. it. This is the, the uh this is the add work all the time you know sleep when you're dead uh, atmosphere and, and that's that's how i'm gonna grind so right right no i, I get it man i do I, I i i give you credit that's that's really cool uh so let's talk about fdic so uh fdic is coming up in april i'd be remiss if i didn't mention it and you know <laughs> um so uh so what do you got going on um you know do, do you know when uh you have stuff going on yeah, I um, changing things up a little bit this year. I'm doing a workshop, um, and it's uh, um, from online to on scene, talking about uh, online command uh, systems, online command training systems, and and getting it to um, you know into practice in your organization. Um, I've I've been obviously worked for a few different departments. Worked for West Metro, which um, at the time was was 15 stations and and uh, a little over 300 members. Now I think they're 17 or 18 stations and, and 400 members or something like that. Uh, so busy, busy system that at that time, uh, you know, the, I saw the adoption of blue card. I saw how it worked in that organization, uh, worked at Edmond fire department through their training division, saw them implement blue card came to uh, Midwest city fire department who had blue card, but now has worked into the Castro's calm the chaos program. So there's, there's a lot of push for online training, especially in officer development to, to check boxes uh, for professional yeah. development. But um, unless you implement it, I, you know, it, 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 it fails to institutionalize it and, and really make it happen at the same time, no system is right for entire organization. So you really have to do a good, good needs assessment and evaluation and say, what things are we going to take? because we can't adopt this completely off the shelf. So um, just kind of a, a workshop to, to help assist people in the goods, the bads, the uglies, the lessons learned, the positives um, uh, with those types of programs, because it's, it's not going away. Online training is, is something that we have to do. Professional standards have to happen, but yeah. um, how, how to get traction in it, into your promotional processes and into your, your department is an, is an important thing. So, doing a workshop on that um, and then doing a, a classroom, the civilian rescue. Uh, oh, the reason cool. why you're did, doing, you're doing two. Yeah. So doing, doing Good a workshop, you, conference and then a classroom during the conference. Um, and that's, that's been a program we've done for about four years now. Um, a joint one with, with uh, chief Castro on civilian rescues uh, from the command side and then from the firefighter rescue survey side. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Um, and then, hope to spend some time on Tuesday out at some hands-on sites and, and everything, but 
man, I'm, I'm excited for FDIC. I mean, the, um, um, uh, doing the keynote last year was, was just an incredible experience. The time and effort to, to put into that and, and the, and the, uh, the reward of, of being, being able to, to deliver that was, was definitely a, a huge recharge for me. Um, the passing of Bobby, Bobby Halton, um, uh, took a, a big toll on me, but at the same time, I, I will never forget sitting in that room, um, at, at his funeral, with the, a very small group and, and, and knowing that I, I've been brought here to, to, to further the, um, not necessarily Bobby's work, but to, uh, continue the institution of fire engineering magazine and what it is and, and to, uh, to reinvest what fire engineering has given to me over the years, all the way back to 1996, reading those articles in a firehouse as a, as a high school volunteer, man. So right. uh, I've, I've taken a career's worth from, from fire engineering and I, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm a part of their future um, and, and, and doing everything I can to, to support that institution going forward and possibly redefining it as we all know that um, training and education and, and media is, is constantly evolving. Yeah, it is. Yeah. No, that's cool. So what, uh, what days are you teaching? Uh, I believe Monday and, and Wednesday, I think Monday, okay. Do you know what times or no, I, man, I think Monday morning and I think Wednesday afternoon, I'd, I'd have to double check. Okay. If it's more than like three weeks away, I have a real hard time, uh, knowing exactly what I'm supposed to do. As, as you know, with tonight, I was 20 minutes late to this appointment, so. No, you're good, brother. <laughs> you're good. Well, anyway, just uh, for the audience, you know, look up Brian because um, uh, they're going to be great classes. And Anthony Castros is awesome, too. So that's cool that uh, you guys are going to be doing stuff together. Um, yeah. Yeah, cool. And and if you haven't registered, I, I believe Early Bird's still out. So uh, register. Uh, this and I think they got the house. I think they got the housing link up uh, already, which is important. The housing link's I mean, up. I mean, right. yeah, take advantage of that as early as possible for sure. Right. We, I'll tell you, we did it. We did it smart this time, better than we've done before. We, 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 we blocked out a lot of, um, a lot of downtown rooms, not just for the people that are part of the, you know, the, the instruction, the instructors and, and the FDIC family, but for, for attendees, you know, um, they were smart. <clears throat> so, so, getting old <laughs> no but so i say to people like um you know the housing things out there get on that those things go quick and um it's not easy to stay downtown uh, and that's where the action's at you know but um but yeah you know uh register uh early birds out so they don't they don't give us anything i promise they don't give us anything to 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 plug this stuff it's just dude Nothing compares. I don't mean any insult to anybody else that's running anything out there. It's just a fact. Um, I love being out there. I feel like a kid every time I'm out there. Um, you know, uh, uh, Norman's got that book, Working with Giants, and it's an awesome book. But that's what I feel like when um, when I'm at FDIC. I'm training with Giants. Uh, it's just it's so cool. Um, you know, it's just a really cool opportunity. So for those of you that, that are listening or watching, um, definitely try to get on there and, and go because you're going to miss out if you don't. It's just, dude, it's every walk of life. It goes by so fast. You know, it's like I say to people, it's like your wedding. You know, it's so much planning into it and then, it, and then it's done. Um, and then you got a lifetime of misery. No, <laughs> um, no, but um, 
but seriously, like FDIC is just, it's the pinnacle, man. It's, 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 it's everything. So, uh, yeah, definitely check out Brian's going to be out there. So then, uh, last question, uh, I ask everybody when I do this and it's a tough question, but I don't care. That's why I always ask it. I leave it in there. Uh, in our thing, you know, especially with us with training, I say this to people, it's not, it's not for you to get, um, you know, like try to be humble and I appreciate the humility piece of it. And if you start your answer with that, that's fine. Cause most people do just understand that, uh, as training officers, you know, we have to set objectives, right? Everything we do has a purpose and a principle, uh, and an end goal. So it's important for us to have some kind of self goal. It's not with humility. It's not arrogance. It's not narcissism. It's, it's real. Cause then it defines that you're doing things for a purpose. So what legacy would you like to leave behind? Um, man, I mean, legacy in one way is like body of work. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, uh, I, I want to, I just want to always be contributing to the fire service. You know, it's, it's been, it's been a part of my life, uh, more than, I guess I've been in the fire service. It, fire service has been a part of my life longer than it wasn't, you know, getting in at 16 years old. So, I mean, it's, it's my life's work. And, um, I feel like that's that in itself is a legacy. And I, I hope to even be contributing to the fire service when I'm, when I'm out of the career, you know, so uh, hopefully I leave behind a, a strong body of work, I guess. Um, you know, if you think about legacy, as far as like, what, what would people remember you for or something like that? And I, I would hope that um, be it the fire department, be it, you know, be it the department that I'm working in right now, or be it the national fire service, you know, how people think of me or, or beat even my kids. I would hope I'd be remembered as someone who, if, if I could do it all over again, I would. Um, and I, and that's, that's important to me. I mean, I, I first got in the fire service at 16 years old. I went through West Metro's fire Academy. Um, when I was 21, I went through Edmonds fire Academy when I was 35. I mean, I, I was on a greater alarm fire, uh, and three weeks later, I was an officer on a heavy rescue on a great alarm fire. And then three weeks later, I'm tying, you know, Bolins, you know, and it didn't matter because it was what I love. I mean, this September, I, I ran a recruit academy with the guys and, I, every, you know, I am all the way up to my last day, man. I, I, I believe that I'd, I'd love to do it all over again. And I, I hope that uh, my kids see that. I hope that um, firefighters around me see that. I think it's terrible that people leave our job and they, they don't feel that way. Um, if you get to the point where you recognize that this isn't for you, it's, it's unfortunate that, that, that people feel trapped in it because, man, if I, I'll reset every day. Um, and, and, and I'm perfectly fine with that because I, I know how good it is and I know, I know how much fun I'm having. And, uh, um, at the same time, it's, it's super rewarding to be sitting at a, at a command staff table and having organizational influence. It's, it's, it's awesome to be lining out a training program, knowing that I have longevity to, as a chief and knowing that it's okay if this is going to take three to five years to get done, because I'm going to be here for it and I, I'm going to see it through and we have great people supporting it and it's, it's, it's going to sustain. So, um, but man, I'm, if I had to start all over today, I would do it. Yeah, because it just it would just extend my timeline. It's like, all right, yeah. So I love it, man. I love it through and through. So 
I'm, I'm, I'm blessed, man, that, that uh, my passion and my profession are in a line because it sure makes my life uh, better inside and outside of my job. Right. It's awesome. I love that. Uh, you know, if you had the opportunity to, to do it all over, you'd do it all over again. And I think that there's <clears throat> there's huge merit to that because because like you said, we have people um, that they're like, you know, they're, they're counting the days. Uh, and it's funny sometimes, you know, they download the app when they can retire, you know, um, I get it. You know, it's funny. Um, but yeah, just, uh, I, I say to my guys now, we got a lot of young guys we hired, we, you know, in the past couple of years, we hired a lot of, a lot of great young guys. And I say to them, I'm like, you ask any older guy, the thing they miss the most. And that's, and that's this, this time hanging out in the, in the kitchen and just breaking each other's stones and, and, and the jokes and, um, you know, that it's just, yeah, I, I love that. I really do. I, I, I honestly, I, I think that um, I connect with that big because I too have been doing this more than more than half the amount of time that I've been on this earth. And um, it, sometimes it becomes all we know, you know, because we do it so much. So um, <clears throat> yeah, you got to love it. I mean, you got to love it, you know, and you do. Yeah. It's, it's funny you say that, you know, the guys who are counting their days to retirement, like, and I see it, it's all around me, man. And here I am going, man, when are we going to hire new firefighters again? Because I get excited when we bring on, you know, new blood, right. new environment. And, and like, I, I know, Hey, that's, that's three weeks where I'm going to be working out with them every morning and, and throwing gear on and forcing doors and throwing like, and, and, not all of my administrative tasks take a back seat to that. Yeah. And that's all. Oh, yeah. Granted, I pay for it the next month when I got to get caught up on everything. But <laughs> yeah. for that brief period of time, man, I it never goes away. It doesn't go on pause. Yeah. yeah. For that, for that one month, I am a, I am a new firefighter right. and, and there's nothing better than that, man. It's like, it's like, you know, back to the, the courtship days again, you're, you're starting a fresh relationship with a, a, a new love and it could not be more exciting. Ah, uh, yeah, I, I totally agree with that, man. I, I, uh, I do. I, I, I love when we get new people, like you said before about the reset thing. It's just, um, it's like a reset for ourselves because, you know, um, things start to, uh, monotony starts to build up and then, and then, you know, you, you, you're in that fear of becoming complacent <clears throat> or, or becoming pessimistic. And then the new guy comes and you're like, Ooh, yeah. project, you know, <laughs> you know, boom, black I, was, canvas. You know, I, I love this. I was a part of a, a really rough time at, at a department. And, um, we went on a two year hiring freeze and it, it like the, uh, it was a, it was a tough period for the organization to, to go that long without having new blood injected into mm. it and, and not having guys, uh, you know, passing on their skills and passion for the job. I mean, it, 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 you can say that it kind of, it was a, a hold or a neutral point, but really there was a lot of regression um, in, in a two year period where, where new, new stuff isn't coming into an organization. And that happens. That happens. Cause, cause you need that, you know, that, that, that freshness, uh, it, 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 I don't want to use the word keeps you young in a, in a negative kind of sense, but, but it does, you know, it, it's like you said, reset. You're like, <clears throat> we have our kids. You know, man, like I'm yawning right now, you know, but my kid, man, like he, you know, he, you know, I love, I have a, a daughter and a son, you know, my son, he'll be like, you know, oh, daddy can, can, you know, can, can we play, can we play wrestling real quick? I'm like, yeah, all right. You know, because <laughs> yeah. then like, that, but then I get into it, like in the moment that he asks, I'm like, oh, 
and then I'm doing it, and like I just I, I'm having fun now, you know. And then we're past his bedtime, and his mother's getting pissed at me <laughs> playing with my kid, you know. But it's the truth; it's the same as in our firehouse, you know. Like like um, the, you know, those young guys they keep us fresh, they keep us they they keep us loving it too because we live vicariously through them, you know. Because we remember what it was like. To, oh yeah, to to be fresh yeah, coming in the firehouse. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. So, uh, any final words from you? Floor is yours. Anything you want to leave us with? Say it's all yours. No, man. I mean, thank, uh, thank everybody for tuning in tonight. Thanks cheap roads and, and all the fire engineering for supporting these platforms. It's, it's just awesome. And Mark and all those guys who've taken this, this podcast to the next level by having the, the video stream. I mean, if we, we're headed in the right direction, man. I'm, I'm really excited about, about all that's going on at fire engineering. I'm excited about guys like you who are involved and could not be more excited about all those people who, who take the time to either watch these live or, or pick them up as a podcast because we, we are building on each other. And that's, that's, that's how we keep moving forward is, is capturing progress and, and stacking on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. The Yes. Thank you. What he just said. <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> You know, really, that that is it's important. You know, Rhodes was on to something, man. I, I joke with him because I, I I tell him like I'm like, you know, are you sure you want to do the video thing? Like he's like, yeah, man, I want I want to start doing videos, you know. And I'm like, yeah, well, I don't have a face for radio. I I mean, I have a face for radio, you know. <laughs> so, but hats off to to Rhodes for bringing us to that next level. That was definitely uh, huge. I love that. And then uh, and then sure, Mark, man. I mean, like you know, everybody. Behind the scenes, Mark's the man behind the curtain. People don't realize that, you know, like, like I always say, Diane's the man behind the curtain with, with FDIC and stuff, you know, and, and, and Mark is with the, with this platform. And this has given us more of an opportunity than when we were, the way we were doing it before, just because it's, it's so many different uh, avenues now to stream and, and watch and, and listen um, that. Yeah. I mean, like whether you pause halfway through, whatever, thank you for listening. Keep listening. Um, because no matter what, it ain't my show, anybody's show. I mean, you could pick up just in conversation, some kind of nugget that, that gets you through your day or, or, you know, they just said something, you know? Um, so it is, it's a really useful tool that we have in, in our, in our fire service, uh, toolbox. And, and I love it, you know, because at least I feel like for most of us on this side, you know, the fire engineering podcast, a lot of us are, are, are we're spewing out some good content, some good stories and some good content and some, some relevant stuff. Um, and, and that's kind of important too, you know? So yeah, I appreciate you saying that. Um, listen, brother, I do, we should have done this a long time ago. Uh, I, I swear to you do like, I always have a good time with every guest I have. I'm very like Mark was complimenting me before. Like I'm very particular on who I pick. Uh, and when I picked them to be on the show, like, this is like become a science to me now for doing a second <laughs> five years now, you know? So, so like, uh, you know, remember I, I, I hit you up like a, a month ago and I'm like, Hey, I want you to do the show in November is because I knew like, I wanted to do the show with you. I knew your background and, and, uh, and I knew that this would just be a good segue into going into for my next show into December. <clears throat> and, um, I'm telling you, uh, you and I, we're going to stay in touch. I mean, we, we, we've been in touch for, for a few years now, but I'm saying like, we're, we're going to, we're going to collaborate on something. Uh, I'm telling you, I'll, I'll, I'm asking <laughs> you if you would be willing to do it. I'm sorry. It's, you know, it's, it's the training chief and me coming out, you know, <laughs> but no, yeah. but, uh, because I'll tell you, bro, like, like sometimes I do, I feel alone in my message. And, uh, and I love that, that you are saying all the stuff that I've been saying. I'm just like, 
oh my god like it like it just we have to, to do something together i'm telling you just it, it's it's advantageous for 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 all the people that we try to connect with it's advantageous I, I i would love to do something with you so i appreciate you being on the show uh it means the world to me and and, and, it, and it definitely was it means the world to the audience because you had a lot of great stuff to to bring to the table so thank you brother i do appreciate it man no problem man all right. Well, this has been Dave McGlynn with uh, Fire Engineering Podcast. Net- Almost said it wrong again. The Training Officer. Fire Engineering Podcast, The Training Officer. Mark, you're going to have to that. But, yeah, thank you guys uh, for tuning in. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next month. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, and uh, be safe, everybody. Thank you. The Fire Store, equipping protectors with passion. Every decision the Fire Store makes as a company is about its customers. As the holiday season has quickly approached, explore a wide selection of unique and practical gifts at the Fire Store's gift center. Find the perfect presence for firefighters, EMTs, and first responders today. The Fire Store's goal is to get you the gear you need when you need it at prices you can afford. Visit thefirestore.com for everything but the truck and shop its family of brands including Streamlight, MSA, Lion, Fleer, and more.